Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Welcome back to the F10X Academy on the Round Pegs Square Hole podcast. My name is Timothy Fair Matthews and we have Laura Everest here today with us. Laura is a founder uh, of the of consulting services. Uh, sorry, Laura is the founder of Laura Everest Consulting Services and has spent 30 years leading, developing, and elevating leaders and large teams across the world. With more than a decade at Harrods uh, in London and 15 years in the Middle East, Laura is trained in positive psychology. Following her accident, and has become a certified Gallup's coach, strength coach. She has recently set up her own strength-based company for professional development. Uh, and Laura is the second part of our resilience series today. And guess what? Today we're going to find out about more about her story and what you can do to become resilient. Laura, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. I have to say that, you know, it's been a really, really tough time for everybody in the last few months. And I think a lot of people have had their mental toughness really, really tested. Um, but I think what's really important is that when it comes to resilience, if it's not something that was a gift naturally bestowed to you, it really is something that we can learn to do. It's not for a select few. So, you know, I think that I'm just an average person who's become a master at it. And I'm hoping that I can share just a few things to help others today. That's amazing. I think that's really encouraging to hear that, that anyone can learn to be this way. Um, I know there's a lot of people going through some really tricky times at the minute. Um, I mean, you get to obviously work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well in the region. How, how is everyone doing? Like, have you noticed, has uh, is, is your job become, you know, busier? I mean, are, are you having to really guide people at this minute? Like, how's things going? Yes. I think there's a lot of people in the lockdown scenario that have suddenly been questioning their decision making, thinking that perhaps their passion isn't where they thought it was. Some people have got really depressed about being at home. Um, you know, a lot of females who feel that they're trying to work and balance home life and kids doing their educational stuff at school at home now. Um, and it's been a tough time. So although I generally work with groups and organizations, I've had so many people coming to me individually for coaching and wanting to figure out where they're at and how to make more strategic decisions for themselves moving forwards. So slightly yeah. different to the norm. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I guess it's all centered also around mindset as well. And I mean, I think that's 80% everything in life, isn't it? If it you've is. got your mind right, um, everything tends to follow. So, I mean, uh, uh, incredibly important topic. And, and again, it's amazing to have you with us today. I, I heard a bit about your story and obviously we're going to share that now and go into it. But you, you've had um, some, you know, amazing, uh, you know, I'd say amazing, um, bad, but amazing things and transformations happen in your life. So please, I mean, if you don't mind walking us through a bit about your story yeah. and, and what and why you do what you do, because I think that would be absolutely amazing to share. 
Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, um, as I said, you know, I've been out here, was working as a, a leadership consultant for a long time. And one of the things I used to actually train on was resilience. And we talk about bouncing back and all these things. And I thought, I've got it nailed. I'm really good at this. Um, and then uh, in my side time, I was uh, a runner and quite competitive runner. And I was out training one morning and I was hit by a car and I was thrown 30 feet. My feet came off. I separated my hamstring. I lost half, you can't really see, thank God, here now. I lost half my arm. I had nothing there. Um, I fractured my wrist. I dislocated my fingers. I fractured my back. And obviously, as you can imagine, when you're going out running, you don't go in leathers. So getting taken 30 feet down the road, obviously, I lost a lot of surface skin and, and everything else. So a bit of, bit of a nightmare. Um, and I remember, I don't remember being hit, but I do remember lying in the road and thinking, well, if I'm here, I must have been hit because, you know, why would I be here otherwise? Yeah. And I remember looking around and thinking, I'm obviously here can i move my head yes if i can think like this there's obviously nothing wrong with my head um tried to move and thought nah, nothing wants to move um and then kind of just looked down and thought oh god i could just see little bones sticking out I thought, well, where are my feet um and we had i had people all around me saying stay with us stay with us and i thought where the hell do you think i'm going and then i thought god they think i'm going to die and i thought am i I thought, you know what? No, I'm really, no, it's decision, right? That's the first thing. You make the decision and it wasn't my time. And I thought, no, there will be people who can fix me and I just have to go with that. Um, and so thereafter, I was taken to hospital and I initially went through, I think, nine hours of surgery. And when I came to, I had consultants, four consultants around my bed and they said to me, um, Oh, do you know how lucky you are to be alive? Mm -hmm, yes. Do you realize the severity of your problems? Yes. Do you know that we were going to amputate both your feet? We've sewn them on, but we're not sure you're ever going to walk again. Um, you probably won't move your arm again and, you know, you will be disfigured. You'll need a lot of um, skin grafts all over. Uh, and I thought, oh, my days, you know, I've just come round for surgery. And, and I just thought, let's just see. And I thought, you know what? We don't get to choose our situation, but we do get to control how we manage it. And so I thought, you know what? I have to find a way to cope and I have to find a way to thrive. And I found that I was doing things that I wasn't really aware of. I started working when I came out of the high dependency ward. When I left the hospital after 12 days like this, um, I was lying in a bed at home and clients were coming to the house and I was organizing things. And I gave my first training in a wheelchair, arms and legs sort of bound like a carry-on film. Um, and I did that 11 weeks after the accident. Oh, my God. And wow. the thing is, well, do you know what? It's amazing what we can do. But I have yeah. to say that... It was that, you know, I've had in the last six years, I've had 16 surgeries. I've had ankle replacements. I've been rebuilt with metal. And during that time, too, unfortunately, our daughter was diagnosed with ADD and depression and was really went through a very difficult time. My father died. It was just like, whoa. And I was just doing stuff. And people kept saying, you know, how are you so resilient? I thought, I don't know. 
So I decided that I wanted to sort of find out a bit more about it because I trained the damn stuff for years. And I thought it just shows, you know, you think you know and you might not. So I went through the University of Penn under Marty Seligman's team and I studied positive psychology and I learned a lot of different strategies, which I was actually able to try and put in practice as I was kind of going through stuff. And some things I thought, yeah, that works. And others I thought, seriously, no. Um, and so I was doing that and I thought, I still have, a, I'm missing something. So then I studied appreciative inquiry. I thought, I'm getting there. I'm still missing something. And then I, I actually certified as a Gallup Strengths Coach because what I realized is what I was doing in, in, throughout my whole time from my accident is that, you know, we are all born with a predisposition to be better at some things than others. These are innate talents in us. But often we don't recognize them and we don't utilize them. And yet they are our key source of potential, of our successes. And what I recognize... I was doing, uh, two of my strengths I found were focus and achiever. And so I was tapping into these tools of mine and actually using them to try and help me cope and help me thrive. And so I really, really learned that when you actually know your strengths, because most people don't know them, they think they do, you realize that you, one, we are actually so much stronger than we think we are. But we kind of sit in a comfort zone often of what we know or what we think yeah. we know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And secondly, if you really try to use your strengths and aim them towards what you need, honestly, I am living proof that you can do things that are not deemed possible. They told me I'd never walk. I'm walking. Okay, I have to wear a splint, no high heels anymore. I can't run. I'll never be able to run. It's a huge disappointment. But I still do a huge amount of sport every day. I've traveled around the world on crutches. I've traveled around Dubai and Abu Dhabi in a wheelchair. I even, my husband, even managed to tie TRX straps into the back of our my Land Cruiser. And I was able to haul myself into the back of the car without putting any weight on my legs so that I could go out rather than sit at home. So the thing is, there's so much we can do if we learn what we can do. And often we, we one, we don't tap into our strengths. And two, we are all wired through evolution, you know, to see perceived threat and to stay away from it. And so when we are naturally inclined to look at everything that goes wrong for us, we see our mistakes, we see our failures, and we kind of concentrate on them. But in fact, if we can kind of change it round and say, let's actually look at what we're good at and let's focus on the things that we take for granted and work on them, actually, we can do a hell of a lot more than we, than we ever knew. So this is what I've been doing over the last few years. And one of the things I recognize, too, is that we've always talked in resilience about bouncing, bounce back. I know Julie was talking the other day about bouncing forwards and I love forwards because we never go back to where we were. But honestly, truly, we don't bounce. Unless it's a little thing, we claw our way back. We have to make up our mind that we want to do something and we've got to put all our mental energy into getting there. Because honestly, truly, when you're on top of your world and then suddenly it all crumbles, it's really difficult sometimes to find a way to 
get out of that and to keep that momentum going to move forwards. And I've now, with 16 surgeries, I've had to do that 16 times. It does not get better, but it does get manageable because you know what you need to do to get you to the next space. So, yeah, so this is really why I totally get where people feel challenged and upset. And there are just so, so many things, though, that we can do. We have the power to do, but we just don't know it. What an amazing story. Wow. I've, um, I was a bit, I mean, I heard this, I've heard this story briefly on the phone with you before, but it's, 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 it's just still shocking every time I hear it. I mean, this was in Dubai you got hit, was it? This was six years ago in Dubai, early one morning. Um, I used to do, I used to run about 50 or 60 kilometers a week. And I would do sort of two or three runs of about, you know, 15 kilometers during the week. Um, and then a kind of slightly longer one at weekends. And it was a normal run that I'd done for seven years. <laughs> we didn't have the beach track then. And yeah, I was just crossing. And I saw the car. But, you know, you don't, you make a judgmental decision. And honestly, you don't, you wouldn't run out in front of a car. None of us would. Um, but obviously, um, you know, it was going faster than I'd anticipated. And um, yeah, and so it took me quite a long way. And I have to say, I'm not done yet. I have loads more surgery to go, loads more. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, back on top at the moment and uh, and working around it. So what, for you, when you had this, you did you knew you were resilient before this? I mean, you said that when you were lying on that road, you had this like complete, you know, you, you were just knew you weren't going to die. You were you were going to make it, and you were going to be fine. And you were going to get better. But is that something when you realised that you were that resilient person, or is this something you've had much before? No, I don't think. Honestly, truly, I don't think. And until you're put to the test, really, you don't know because we just do the stuff we do, and you know, we can't always know how we're going to act in a very difficult situation. Um, honestly, truly, I wouldn't recommend an accident like that on anyone. But oh, there, you know, there are things that we get exposed to that are horrible and miserable. And you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to do. The thing is, you have to make a decision first that you want it to be different. That you, you know, if you, you can't, there's that expression, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So the first yeah. thing you've got to do is you've got to want, decide, I want to get better. I want this to change. And then once you've made that decision, there are lots and lots of different strategies, and some I can share as we go along, um, of things that people can do that can help them. But honestly, truly, you still get days, resilient as you are, you still get days where you just think life is seriously crap. And you just want to sit and have a cry and feel sorry for yourself. And you're allowed and you should because it's part of the healing. You've got to be able to acknowledge the difficulty you're in and label it and then say, this is where I am. But our feelings can get in the way of what we need to be. They're not they're, they're just there to support how we do things. So we get to choose our feelings. So when we have a really bad day, we can say, I feel very sorry for myself right now. And then afterwards, we can say, okay, I don't need to keep feeling sorry for myself. I think I will pick up, you know, a different thing that says, I will feel happy today, or I will feel more positive today. And you change, you change that and you have to do it because otherwise you get stuck in, in victim zone. And then it's really difficult to move out. 
No, I can appreciate no. that. In a way, in a way, it's, um, it must be. I mean, I, I I can't tell what you what you feel when you have stressful situations now, but I imagine going through something like that, it really makes you put things in perspective, and you probably are a lot more co cooler and calmer, I guess, with situations now, knowing that you've done that kind of journey. Um, is that very much true, or do you still get? No, do you still no, no, no I would love to say so. I imagined. I, I mean, I have many strengths. Um, and I have a lot of talents, I think. Patience is not one of them. And I really thought that having sat five months in a wheelchair, my God, it killed me. Every day I was finding things to do. I have huge energy. I can't sit for five minutes. So to sit for five months in a wheelchair, just it was just up. And I thought, great, I'll be much more patient at the end of this. Not, not a hope. I also thought that it would make me really empathetic to everybody else because I would sympathize and understand where they were coming from. But actually, no, it didn't do that either. I, in mm. fact, it did the opposite. I thought, oh, for goodness sake, don't sit as a victim because there's so much you can do. But I've actually learned, empathy is actually a non-talent for me, but I've learned it. And it's a tool that I use because if you do not tap into where people feel vulnerable and vulnerability is not a weakness. We all are allowed to be vulnerable, but empathy allows us to connect with people and enables us to sort of see where they're at. We don't have to agree with them, but it enables us to see where they're at and to help people move forwards from that. So it's a tool that I've used and I've learned to use it but it didn't come naturally. And I, it's because I've, I've worked on my strengths rather than the accident taught me all these wonderful things that, you know, would make me amazing. Well, this is, this is such an inspirational chat. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this story. I know, I know a lot of the comments are here are saying the same. Um, so, I mean, it's, you're, you're very much then saying that even if you feel you're not resilient, you can be. It's something that can be learned. It's not like you're a resilient person or not. It's teachable. I think that I must naturally be resilient anyway, because I was obviously doing stuff without knowing what I was doing. So I was yeah. lucky. That was a little bit of, you know, DNA that was kind of sprung on me that, that has helped. But the reality is, is that, you know, to go through 16 surgeries, my daughter went through hell and back when she was diagnosed mm -hmm. with depression. She's only little, you know, well, teenager um, in, um, with depression and ADD. My son was training to be a pilot. There was a lot of stuff going on. My dad died. It, there was so much stuff. And you just think, whoa, my God, the headspace. How, how do I cope with this? Yeah, but I there was so, so many things. So I think really, um, I guess the first thing I, I would always say immediately is if when you've got a thought that's like, whoa, my head's killing me, I actually say to myself, stop. I actually say stop and think to myself, what am is what I'm thinking right now? We all have thinking traps that we fall into, you know, um, things that that we um, we sort of, uh, you know, um, use when we're concerned. And they're, they're thought patterns that hold us back at times. Okay, so it could be that we're somebody that catastrophizes, that we imagine when one thing goes wrong, everything's going to go wrong. Or we might ruminate and allow things to go round and round our heads. So we have to recognize where our thought patterns are and sometimes say, you know what? Stop. Is this really true? Mm -hmm. Are we distorting what we're thinking? 
And what are the negative stories we're telling ourselves about a situation? Because we do, we, we are really hard on ourselves. We tell ourselves some really mean things about ourselves. We actually say, stop it. Is it helpful? Is it true? Is there a different perspective? Am I being fair? Because normally there's a better perspective to see things from. So the thing is, is to know is to get the first thing is you've got to analyze you and know you. And most people are not as emotionally aware of themselves as they should be. So the thing is, is you need to know you. You need to know where your natural talents are. Are you using them? You need to know how you build them into a strength like I did with my focus, my achiever. Um, I have maximizer, which is taking good to great. So I'm always wanting to be better and better and better with all the things I do. Um, and these are natural, your strengths are your natural energizers. They're things that you do freely and easily and take for granted. But they're things that also energize you and give you a motivation to move forwards. So you need to find out where yours are because we're all different. Because every time you tap into your own, it's your own little toolkit that moves you forward. And it's really, really important that you know that and you learn to leverage them. Of course, when you do that, you also recognize where your weaknesses are because the two go side by side. So it's really looking to say, what kind of things push my buttons? What are the things that, you know, I get upset about? And then you can actually plan when you know that certain circumstances upset you or things upset you, you can actually do what we call a resilience plan and put things in place to change that. So you can say, for example, you know what, when I'm in position A, I get really upset. And when I hear these things, it, I go into meltdown. So then you can say, okay, I don't like to be in that space. So what then could I do differently? If I was in that space again, what could I do differently next time? Just a little thing so that I could either prevent that happening or I can find a way to cope with it better next time. So then you write down a small thing. Instead of this, I'll do that. So when this happens, next time, I will do that. And you can practice that. It takes time. But I've got, after 16 bloody surgeries, I've been practicing that and practicing it. And it does help. So you can do that. And it helps you cope with various things. But you need to know your trigger points. So if it's not something you've analyzed and you just kind of feel the reaction and the tears and the panic and the frustration, you need to rewind that and go back and say, what? Is it actually that was upsetting me in that story scenario? What was the thing? Because when you can label that thing is when you can start putting things in place to make changes to manage it better. Okay. So that's definitely, you know, our thinking traps. Uh, know, know what catches you out. Know the negative stories. They are terrible. How do you challenge those and reframe them in a way that's far more reasonable for what you're doing? Um, the other things are, um, to me, and, you know, I'm, I'm a mad Simon Sinek fan anyway, but I'm always preaching on to people about know your why. And I think that whatever we do in our lives and whatever we decide we want to do has got to come from something that is passionate in us to do. And if we can figure out what that thing is that really we really feel strongly about, 
we need to make a note of that because not only is it just a goal that we're working towards, but do you know what? I have found that when I'm in a really bad place and I've maybe had a load of surgery and I'm in a huge amount of pain and I'm trying to do work at home and I'm managing everything else and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? I go back and think, what's my why? Why did it matter so much to me? And it's like um, an invisible rope, if you like, that you can hang on to. So when you're feeling really rubbish, you can say to people, I want it because it matters because. And it's a brilliant motivator to help move it, move you forwards. So if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's watching, if you don't know your why, find your why, because it is really, really imperative to help you motivate yourselves moving forwards. Oh, amazing. We were, we were, we've, a couple of the last talks we've had have, have been very much centered around this. I don't think enough people really sit down and think, what am I doing? Is it really what I value? Is it what I do? I mean, taking a pen to paper is, is the power of it. Uh, such a useful thing, especially when it comes to this, finding out your why, your strengths. I mean, I mean, for me, I, I couldn't list you my strengths. I, I haven't even done the exercise. You know, so it's super, super interesting to know. I know that probably makes you, uh, <laughs> Basically, completely cringe, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, it'd be interesting to see who else. I mean, anyone who's watching, you know, feel free to let, list your strengths. We'd love to hear them. Um, I'm going to have to, we would normally save questions to the end, but I'm going to have to go through a few of these because you've got some people really engaging. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to throw to a few now. Um, not sure who's from this, but someone said, do you think Laura is the one that one of the strongest qualities is actual positive positivity? You can be resilient, but if you're not positive to look at the challenges as a possibility to thrive, then, Will that be the same result? Okay. So positivity actually is a strength. Not everyone has it. Okay. Um, I think positivity is important. Positivity isn't an action. It's a feeling. So you still have to work on that positivity to turn it from a, a thought into something that's going to be actionable for you. But I think the, the one thing mentally that... Our brains cannot think of a positive thing and a negative thing at the same time. If you try it right now, and think of a negative and a positive at the split second. You can't do it. OK, you'll think one and then the other. OK, so the point is, is that whether you are naturally positive or not, if you can try to summon up positive emotions or think of positive things, if you can try to do that generally, what it means is that when you are in a rotten place, you will be more inclined to reach towards a positive emotion more quickly than you will if you just okay. focus on everything negative in your life. Okay, so you always so learn to control your mind a little bit with and anticipating how it reacts. Okay, I see. You can, you can completely control. Let's be honest. You know, anyone at all who, who's followed anything in, in emotional intelligence will know that when we're triggered, we have what they call an amygdala hijack. And it means that reason goes out of the window or everything goes to save us from what we perceive as a threat. And we get ourselves psyched up to deal with that. So some people will go into a freeze zone. Some people will fight. Other people, you know, will lie down and play dead. Um, it's different for everybody. And we all will do that because it's instinctive. The point is, is how fast can you recover from that? And that is where that's what's really, really important is that timing to get yourself out of it rather than being stuck in the moment as a victim. So another of the things that I 
you know, I really think is very important. And Julie mentioned it a bit the other day is I'm always preaching on if you I'm sure everybody has watched or read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay, And Stephen Covey talks about your circle of influence. I mean, but you don't people don't use it enough. And for those who don't know it, apologize. I'm just going to explain it. I'm sure many of you do know what I'm talking about. And that is in our circle of in our circle of concern. We have a million things that worry us all the time. You know, those little things that when you go to bed at night, they all come back and you can't sleep. And you're thinking, yeah, we can't necessarily manage all of them. What we have to do is to look individually at all the little things that worry us and draw a little kind of inner circle, if you like, and say, do I have any control over X? Do I have any influence to change it? And if you do, you kind of move it into that inner circle. And what that does is, one, it means that the things that are on the outside periphery that you have no control over, you stop worrying about them because it's, it's wasted energy. You're never going to change them. So good. So good. If you move into what you can change, then you actually feel in control because you get to decide how you're going to manage them. The situation is not managing you. You are controlling it. So then you can start to make little changes around that. And honestly, it's something that I do every day. When I had my accident and those surgeons came around and told me all these things, I thought, oh, my days, you know, I might as well just get back and jump into a coffin now. And I thought, that's just rubbish. And so I did a circle of influence and I thought, what do I need to do with my right ankle, my left ankle? I had cuts and stitches. I was, I think I had 70 stitches in the first scenario. Um, and honestly, truly, everything, everything was a mess. But I put each of my issues into a separate little area and thought, what one action can I do to change it? And then when you've done that, you write, as Stephen Covey says, you write your victory list. You put it on a piece of paper, not on a computer. Actually, you write on a list. What did I just achieve? And it could be just a stupid baby thing. But that little thing, that list, every time you do something else, that list grows longer and longer. And when you're having a really bad day and you're thinking, I can't do anything, you look at that list and you think, yes, I can. And it's, it's a brilliant way to keep, you know, moving you forwards until your control seat. Wow, such a yeah. useful tip. Thank you, Laura, so much. Sebastian's uh, been watching. I've noticed he's been commenting. He's just said, this is such an awesome interview. The most important yet often missing aspect of a person's development is the development of their character. That strength of character is absolutely vital for overcoming insane struggle and impossible odds. I know Seb, um, I'm, he has talked about this in a previous talk, but he also had an accident. Uh, you know, where, where he thought, you know, his he wouldn't be able to walk again. Um, and he now uses that story quite a lot to kind of, you know, drive what he does. So it is, I mean, the, these accidents, as, as awful as they are, um, they really kind of, you know, show testament to your character if you pull through. So, yeah, that's a and, and honestly, you know, this is why I do what I do, because I realised that in actual fact, you know, that I was resilient. I am really, I am absolutely passionate about people understanding where they're strong and where they have the best potential for success. I'm, it, it's my driving force. And in fact, this accident actually brought it home to me. So, you know, for me, it's a case of why waste a great accident? You know, I've learned so much from it. And I've done so much. 
because of it. So, you know, silver linings, right? I know, I know. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard as it sounds. It's almost like, can you imagine how you would be in terms of your mindset and how, I guess, not successful you would be if you hadn't had the accident? As much as that's an awful thought to think, imagine if it didn't happen. I mean, you are here to, you are here because of who you are and your mindset. And look at, like you said, the victories and the things you've achieved. It's amazing. It's almost hard to be a little bit annoyed, I guess, with it. But, you know, I guess but, that's the best way to look also, at it. I think also the thing is, is to recognise that, you know what, as I said, I'm not out of the woods yet. I've got a lot more surgery still to go through. Um, I've got some metal work in my legs that have to come out. I have got so so much damage. I mean, every time I go to, to a doctor or any specialist, they shake their heads and say, "We don't know how you're walking." But I am, and I'm, I'm, you know, I do a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sporty. Um, but the point being is, is that you know what I'm from this. What I'm saying particularly is that you do not just need to have had this gift of resilience bestowed on you. It is really, really possible. You just have to keep practicing the strategies and keep working at them and chipping away at them because you don't bounce. This whole thing of bouncing is rubbish unless it's a very little thing because we all know when we're challenged, it takes grit, it takes perseverance and you've got to work really, really hard at it. And it's very important for people to really understand that you're allowed to be vulnerable. It is not a weakness to be vulnerable, but you do have to learn how to manage that. Otherwise, then you become a victim of your circumstances. No, it's so true. Shivani's got a really, um, I think, relevant question. I know, I know, we're, you're kind of answering it already, but uh, Shivani says, "Can inner strength and resilience only be learned if you go through hardship?" Um, which I guess is quite, quite a good question. How do you make ourselves strong, resilient? Because you never know what life has in store for us. So, let's say someone hasn't gone through something that you know, may, maybe someone's not had a really hard thing happen to them yet. They're maybe concerned about how resilient they would be. What would you say then? I think really any we have all you know what when I've done keynotes and training to huge groups and my for ages and ages and ages and I don't think I've ever been in a room where somebody doesn't have their own story of a time when they've had a rough time somewhere we all have a story mm -hmm. the thing is is what you need to do is to go back and look how do you think you dealt with it yeah what did you yeah. think how did you manage I see people that do get stuck in victim zone and they think they can't get out of it and I, I, you know, my initial thought is, oh, for God's sake, of course you can. And then I think, no, 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 empathy, empathy. And then we go back and we talk about where are you feeling stuck? What is it? And honestly, truly, I think, as, as I said, it, the inner strength thing, most people don't know. Most people, when I do Gallup strengths, uh, assessments with people, majority of people have no idea the talents that they have that they could capitalize on. I, I don't, I've never worked with anybody who knew all of this. So, you know, it is one of those things that I think that if, when you know what you've got and you know what you're dealing with, you push it and you work with and make yourself the best in, in your unique way. Amazing. That's so true. So someone's just said here, I think they've done it. I think, um, just check my phone. I think this is Gislaine, I think she's the one. She, she's one of your clients, is she? Well, I know Gislaine, yes. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think she's raving about it. So she's um, pr proof in the pudding. She's um, she's she's done it. She says it's uh, really helped her. So that's great to hear. Uh, Going on the question from Seb here: uh, Do you feel resilience can be taught without hard? Yeah, same thing. With our struggle, do we need to go through the plan from zero? So I guess yes. same question is. Yeah, it's uh, still learning the, the, the still knowing the strategies and things that you can put in place. Yes. 
And the thing is, remember, sorry, Sorry. also just to say is that, you know, resilience comes in different formats. It's not, you don't have to go through a horrendous hardship to be resilient. There are things that we have to cope with every day that can be little stresses. Okay. Uh, I know, unfortunately with our brain, big stresses, little stresses, it doesn't care. It just sees it as a perceived threat. So, you know, we just have to decide how do we deal with that? Because the little stresses actually are the ones over a longer period of time that can lead to mental breakdowns. So it's learning to deal with the little things all the time. I mean, my daughter, I say, I've, I've learned so much about mental health issues because my poor daughter's had had a rough time. She's doing brilliantly now. But it taught me an awful lot about other ways that people see themselves and how, you know, how you need these little strategies all the time. So true. So true. Sabrina's got a really nice question here. It's really difficult to think positively in such an uncertain, scary time. What is your best advice on how to avoid getting down mentally and how to push yourself out of a rut? during this crisis, I think very relevant. Great question there, Sab, uh, for lots of people at the minute. Yes, absolutely. I think the thing is, yes, it is hard to be positive, but what you've got to do is, as I said, the first thing is to think of what are you wanting for yourself when you get out of this, okay? Where do you want to be? And write down what's your goal. If you could make a wish of how you want things to be, what would you like to see? So that's the first thing. And why does it, again, why does it really matter to you to do that? So once you've got that bit first, then you know why it is and what it what it is, why. Then we say, right, how do we get there? So, again, you put in little little goals to help yourself. Find out, you know, when you're having a bad time. Remember, feelings are like a box of sweeties. You can choose how you feel. It's not something that we're stuck in. So when you're having a bad day, yes, feel sorry for yourself for a bit, but then spit that sweetie out and take another one that will... And so that you actually put yourself in a different frame of mind. We choose our behaviours. So it's really important that you know that, firstly. The thing is then put little goals in place, little things you can do. Look at your circle of influence. What little thing can you change? And just chip, you chip away. It's not about taking great strides. It's little steps every day. And some days are going to be rubbish. Accept that. Eat the ice cream, you know, smoke the cigarette. Drink the wine and feel sorry for yourself. And then the next day, get back on because the ice cream will just make you fat. It's not going to solve your problem. Okay. So just put little goals in place and then victory list. That's such a great one. I love I do. I work on that almost every day. Wow. That's so good. So good. I think think you've answered a question. She just said, thank you. So I'd say it's so true. The little things uh, do become the big things. I think that's, you know, it's very hard as well. I guess we've got to give ourselves credit. I mean, this is a very unusual time, isn't it, that we're in? Um, usually when people are locked at home and they're trapped in their, you know, their head more than they normally are with distractions, it can be very, you know, overwhelming, I guess, especially to, when dealing with hardships, financial stress, you know, if the business is not doing well. And I think a lot of people are going through that at the minute. Um, it, I'd, be really, I'd really like to kind of know a little bit more about what you do in terms of the actual process here. So is it, have you shared a lot of this now or in terms of Gallup Strengths coaching, how does that begin? Tell us a little bit about how you go around doing that with someone. Okay, so um, mainly I work with organisations, I work with teams, um, I work with a lot of senior leaders. Um, And it's really, um, it's being able to real, have deep understanding of yourself. So how it really, it begins with the Gallup assessment. And honestly, over 30 years, 
I'm that old. After 30 years of being in corporate and in training and working with large teams at Harrods and, and, and everywhere else, I reckon I've probably trained almost every psychometric test there is to be had. Okay. And I can honestly say that Gallup Strengths is if you do nothing else, it's the one that you should do because all the others, with possibly the exception of the um, positive psychology, they're called the VIA Strengths. Um, everything else sits inside the Gallup Strengths. There's been, I think, 80 years of research and data to back up the whole of the strengths process. So the idea is, is that when you do the assessment, Gallup have recognized that there are basically 34 areas of talent that anyone can have. Okay? Mm -hmm. And what it does is it, when you do the assessment, it points out to you, what are your natural go-to ways of doing things? What are you, the way, what's your key way of thinking, your key way of behaving? What are the kind of your, your little tools that you're always using to be you? And so it lists your talent from one down to 34. Your top five is really your really strongest area, your top 10 pretty much as well, all the way down to what's at the bottom. And the bottom is not the weakness. The bottom is, I guess, is like um, your blind spots or things that you would never think of doing. So we, what we do is we look at these first and you have a one in 33 million chance of having the same top five in the same order as anyone else in the world. So it really is a very much like a genetic fingerprint. And your top strength or your top talent theme will sit because they don't work on their own. They all work together um, and it will sit on all the others. And so the way you do things will be so intrinsically unique to you. So I normally analyze these when I, I get the report back, have an understanding of what I've learned from this. And then what I do is I work with individuals first to for them to understand what, what these talent themes actually mean. Uh, because people assume then, oh, I've got these strengths. No, they're not strengths. They are DNA of areas where you are predisposed to be naturally good at something. But it's like anything. You want to have a great body. You've got to put in the work and go to the gym and eat healthy. Okay. And it's the same with the talents. You may have the talent to be, I don't know, the best musician in the world. But if you don't practice, it's not going to happen. So it's the same with strengths. You then find out where you are naturally good, where you naturally have the best opportunity for success. And then you work on that and you work on it and you work on it. The problem I've found is that maybe because I'm just so old that, you know, for me, uh, my family were very much about, I, I, was, I was clever at school and I was pretty good at most things. Um, but for example, maths wasn't an area that I liked. And my parents saw that as a weakness. Actually, it's not a weakness. It's just an area of non-talent. I was brilliant at English and art and music. But my parents said, well, you're really good at that. So put that aside for a bit. And now let's make you good at maths. But the problem is, it doesn't work like that, actually. You can't trade off one by the other because actually where there is a non-talent, you can work at it really, really, really hard and you can become passingly good at it. But if someone else has that as a natural talent and they invest in it, they'll always be better than you. So yeah, that, was actually, that, that was going to be one of my questions next. It was going to be if you can really 
fine tune and work out what your strengths are? Do you give your weakness focus? Because in a way, yes. as, as business owners and entrepreneurs, we must learn to delegate, must learn to be the CEO of our business, must learn to not try and do everything because there are some people here that own businesses that are very good at finance and then some that shouldn't touch it at all. Absolutely. Then, I, I'm terrible at finance. I, I don't even want to look at a pair of books. You know, I don't, I don't want to do it. So um, I guess in a way that's in, almost encouraging with the way you should behave in your business. So, um, so you're, you very much agree that if you have a weakness, highlight it, be aware of it, but don't put effort into it. Put effort you, into well, I tell you what, I, in fact, I'm, I'm just actually writing a thing because I put a lot of stuff and tips and things onto LinkedIn every day. And I'm actually just doing one on weaknesses because people don't understand weakness. They think it's the yeah. opposite of strength. Yeah. Actually, right. the opposite of strength is a non-talent, okay? It just means it's not an area you were naturally bestowed with, sorry, but you have right. lots that you are. So the thing is, if you work from where you are, you have potentially opportunities and you invest in those, that is where you're going to shine and be at your best. What happens, a weakness is something that gets in the way of your success. So it could be, it could be that maths is a non-talent for me, it becomes a weakness if I then try to do sums and I'm getting them wrong. Or I need, So it's how you apply it. Okay. So then you've got to decide if you've got an area for, which is a non-talent or a weakness, something that really you hate and it, you, know, you really don't want to do it. Me, for me, like you, finance. Or anyone that gives me anything on a spreadsheet, it will never be looked at. Um, I just don't work in that way at all. So what, what then you do is you decide, how do I need to manage this? And it could be that you, if it's something like a financial thing, for example, that you hate, you can get somebody else, delegate it to somebody who can do it. But what you have to be aware of, too, is that we may have within us the ability to mitigate around those weaknesses. So, for example, I work with a very, very senior leader who... A lady who is, I, I, she's got unbelievable energy and she's brilliant. She's the um, general manager for a very big company. And she is what we call an executor. She gets stuff done. She's really, really good at it. But she says, to me, oh, my God, I can't do relationship building. I don't have any talents in my top 10. And I, I, I'm, I'm just, I just, I can't do it. And I said to her, but actually... You're married. You have a family. You have friends. So you are building relationships. The point is, some people may do building relationships by group hugs and singing Kumbaya, and others do it in a different way. So for her, she is an unbelievably good listener. And that's how she builds relationships. She listens to people's issues and problems, and she helps them solve it. That's how she builds relationships. So the point is, we may have a void in certain things, but we can find other ways to get around it. I hate tidying up. I hate it. But a ranger is one of my top talents or top strengths. And a ranger is organization. So I will, I so hate mess that I will do the tidying up because I want to see the effect afterwards. If anyone was to say, would you like a job as a cleaner or a tidy upper? Seriously, no. I would rather pay anyone to do it for me. But I don't like the mess. So I will dip into other traits that I have to say, OK, manage it because you will feel so much better because your arranger likes everything in place. OK, so the point is we can use our talents and aim them in a direction 
to kind of help mitigate weak areas for us. And if it's an area we really, really struggle with and we can't find somebody else who can, that's the whole thing about complementary strengths. Work with somebody else. I've always done this as a leader. You know, when I work with big teams, I, the first thing I say is, look, I can tell you what I can offer you. I can, I can give you this, 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 and you, you come to me and you know that you'll always get this from me. However, I am absolutely rubbish at this, 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 this. So I'd like to know which of you are brilliant at that. Great. You take ownership for that bit then. And I'll know I can come to you for that. And then we've got it covered. And that's the way to build the teams and to help each other get through. Wow. It's actually an amazing, it's a much amazing culture building tool, actually, if you think about it. If, if everyone in your company did a Gallup Strengths test, you could almost, you know, some people might be in the wrong roles. You could find a lot way, a lot an easier way to leverage everyone's efficiency. And, and then not to mention as well, and Nancy mentioned this yesterday, everyone's values might be in a, in a in alignment. So it seems, it seems exactly. almost, I can see why you would be booked by corporates. This is, this is almost like a no brainer, if you think about it. Well, do you know what, actually? Of the, to uh, the top Fortune 500, 90% of those organizations are Gallup strengths-based. Really? And the wow. point is, this is why I work with organizations, because you know what? I work with people and they say, well, we've got, you know, what problem can you fix? And I said, look, firstly, we, oh, we've got this issue, we've got that issue. And I said, look, firstly, do get, get strengths done for everyone. Learn to see what material you've got. Because when you can see what you've got, you can then say, okay, I've got this problem. How can I elevate who I've got here, move them like a chess piece to compensate for the problems I've got? And more than that, it's not just about fixing. I've seen as a, as a leadership consultant for years, I have trained hundreds and hundreds of leadership journeys for people with mostly success, but Strengths gives you a 100% turn on ROI because what it does is rather than shove everyone on the same courses, if it's not a strength for you, you're not really going to tap into it. But you have areas, once you know where your strengths are, you then know perhaps time management is a weakness for me. I need that for my job. Right. Well, then there's a focus training session you need to go on. You are perhaps really have great potential as a leader. Okay, let's look at where your authentic strengths are. How do we make that happen more? How can we build that so you become an even better leader? So it's a, a development tool that's very, very focused. Um, and that's why generally I work with organizations and teams, helping them combine their strengths and with leaders, helping them build their own unique profile because there's not one way to lead. So we figure out how that's going to work for individuals. So true. Well, wow. In a, in a way, do you think doing this Gallup strength test may, may may get people to maybe pivot industries, especially in this time? Like, do you feel, have you ever had people do this and then realize that they're in the complete wrong job, especially if they've gone through their wife the first time? Is that is that common? Yes. I've had some people who have done a job because I've had some because the families you know, there are certain cultures where their family is quite keen that they will be an engineer, a doctor or a lawyer. Um, so they followed that route um, because they're clever. Um, or I've had some people that have gone into business because we can be good at things, but it doesn't mean it's a strength for us. A strength is actually something that energizes us and we we do freely, easily and we're passionate about. OK, so the thing is, some people have gone into jobs because they've fallen in, into a job and they do it. 
And then later on, they're wondering why they don't feel the love. They're not feeling the passion. And often when we do strengths, they've suddenly said, you know, this is where my passion is. Gosh, why am I doing this? I should be doing X. And I've had during the last couple of months, I've had a couple of people who have been in exactly that position, who have changed their job. Um, I don't know if one of them is listening here today. She might be. Um, but somebody who was very, very good at what they were doing, but wasn't feeling the love, couldn't understand why, and then said, that's because I should be doing this. And they've pivoted and done something quite different. So it depends, you know. It, but I think what strengths does is it just helps you focus on where you are naturally good and where you have the greatest chance of success. And it's just making sure you're investing in the right parts of it. Otherwise, you could be wasting time doing something and just being okay. And I hate average. To me, if you're going to do it, be your best self or don't bother. No, so yeah, totally right. Right. Yeah, really, really, and everyone should be doing their best work right now. For you to stand out, you know, there's there's so many factors to why you should be putting up your best work. But if you haven't got that why and your strengths correct, then you're right. I completely agree. I think it's also really important to say that there are a lot of people here who have kids. And I think it's really, really important that we also try to help our kids find their strengths and help them be resilient. Because this is something that they need to learn from a young age. There are so many social pressures on everybody now. And we see more kids that struggle now with feeling resilient. Um, I mean, I look at the mental health things from uh, the World Health Organization. And depression is one of the biggest issues of the 21st century, stress and all these things. And we can learn to deal with this, or we have to deal with it at the age we're at now. But if we have kids, it's really, really important that we help them from young because we see our kids intrinsically what they're good at when they're small from the time, you know, they start crawling with one, you know, the right leg all the time. You know that they might well be right-handed. Little things we see, they have a natural instinct towards one thing or another. You know, it's really important that you encourage them where they are also good because then they feel self-confident in what they're doing rather than looking at the gaps of what they don't do. So parents out there do think about that because I've done that with my kids and I found it to be really helpful. No, I, I, yeah, I think almost the educational system, it's so outdated, it's failing us, I think, as, as, as the as the human species goes. There's lot, none of this stuff is taught, you know, and I mean, it's, I've, I've looked up, I'll be honest, I've never even heard of the Gallup Strengths Test before I met you, never even heard of it. I know. <laughs> I have well, to I mean, say, it I seems know. So, it seems so fundamental now. It seems like one of the first things I'm going to do is, is get our team to do this because I'm just curious to see how we're all different. And, you know, and you're saying there's there's 35 different strengths. Is that right? You're saying that you can categorize yes, it in that no. way? There, there's, there are 34 areas, key 34. areas of talent. Right. And the combinations of them are, oh, God, there's thousands. But Gallup have been analyzing and putting all their data together for 80 years. And it's, a, it's, a, it's so clever. I, I wouldn't know how to do it. But when I normally do strengths with people or I, I come out with their profile and I talk to them, and they're often people that I've only perhaps met a couple of times. So can we do this, please? They say, oh, my God, it's like you're sitting in my head. And, it's, and I'm not a magician. I'm just, I'm just analyzing what they have done through the assessment. But, you know what, how I found it also really useful is, for example, um, let me take my husband, for example. Um, okay, so I've been married for nearly 30 years. And um, my husband and I are both strong personalities. And in fact, I think 
Back in the day when we got married, I think people came to the church to see if we'd actually make it up the aisle because we were both very opinionated and they said they'll never do it. But we have and it's all good. But one thing I realised is that, you know, there were certain things that we get really mad at each other about. And I'll give you an example of one. Um, So a, a couple of years ago, for example, we needed some garden furniture. Okay, so we talked about it and decided what we thought we needed okay good <clears throat> went out looked uh, as a maximizer you know I want to be sure I've got the best so I will look at a few things and my husband will say but you saw that one earlier now you've come back to it I said yes I need to be sure it was the best one to choose okay, so that's the first problem anyway once I saw what I wanted and he saw it we said yeah that's it so my focus and achiever says good let's buy it done go home oh no 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 my husband wasn't having any of that. He wanted to come home and think about it. I said, think about what? It is what we said it was going to be. And he said, you just jump into things and you don't think. And I said, and you just sit on the fence and look at everything that's wrong. And then I did his strengths. And his top two strengths are deliberative and analytical. And what that means is, I mean, my husband is, uh, 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 he's the head of legal and commercial and a very big global company. So he's the bottom line for risk. Okay, so he's in the right position. But the point is for him, is that when he sees something, he will not jump into decision making, he will say what, apply breaks, I need to think about this, is it risk adverse? Have I considered all the possible obstacles? And when I've considered them, and I think, yep, we're in a good place, then we're good to go. But he will never jump into a decision. In the same way, he saw me as somebody who's irrational, just jumping into things. And he realized, no, with my focus and achiever, I'm very quick to say, that's it. It fits. It works. Do it. Move on. So yeah, what we've learned you. is we've learned to balance each other off. So when I want something, it's a bit like drip torture. I just tell him bits at a time and then give him the opportunity to digest it, analyze it. And when he's happy with it. We're done. So, I mean, it's saved loads of arguments and deliberative. It's, it's, a good, it's a good relationship test, isn't it? I mean, this could be useful for a lot of people just, just to help, you know, put up with their partner in this time. <laughs> I, I, I even did it with my, with my son. He was training to be a pilot and he was furious that at 10 years old, we were going to send him to secondary school. He said, but I want to be a pilot. And I said, but they don't take you at 10. So I said, let's, you know, go, start studying, do your stuff. And as he got older, because, you know, there, there is a Gallup, a different test for um, young teenagers, actually. And you can really do the Gallup more senior test from, from about 17, 18. I did it first when I was 20. Um, and, and actually it helped him. I mean, his top strength, God help us, is discipline. But he worked really, really hard to achieve what he did. So when you know where your strengths are, you, you can use it and you can understand the language of each other. And it helps make things so much clearer about what you know you can expect from somebody and what you know they need to succeed in what they're doing and where wow. they're going to really upset you at times and you've got to be ready for that. Wow. Amazing. It sounds like a no-brainer that everyone watching should do this. <laughs> Amazing. I think so, but it's all, you know, each to their own. Of course, of course. Um, we've got one interesting question from James here. He says, do you have any tips or techniques to help people who merge individual unconnected problems into one big unsurmountable? I mean, obviously, I think you talked a bit about that earlier. It's probably not a wise thing to have one 
big focus. It's to focus on the little things. I mean, it's a bit of an expansive question. Yeah, I think what you what people need to do. Sorry, I'm not wearing glasses. I'm trying to read the small print. Um, I think what people need to do when you see um, individual unconnected problems, I would be inclined to take one problem at a time and say, what is it in this? What are all the things in this that are concerning me? And just deal with one thing at a time. So have a look at all the things that are concerning you within that. And then think that circle of influence. Do I have control over changing this? Okay. So don't look at the big picture. Look at one bit at a time. Okay. And work on a little bit at a time. Um, I think when I had my accident, it was too much to look at the big picture. I couldn't have, couldn't have worked through it. So you only focus on little bits at a time that you change. And what I would suggest you do is that look at the thing, start with the thing that's giving you the most pain. Now, mine was physical pain. It doesn't have to be physical, but there'll be something that perhaps you're feeling particularly, you know, um, sitting on the edge of your seat about. Choose that one first. So work on the one with the most pain and then work your way around them one thing at a time. Don't try to look at the big picture. It never works. Very true. <laughs> Laura, I'm, I think that's an actual perfect way to end the talk tonight. It's been such a pleasure um, hearing your story, um, what you've overcome, and you know, credit to you, you're an amazing, amazing lady. And I'm, I'm, do you know what, I'm definitely going to do this gallop strength test. I'm fully prepared. <laughs> so you know, you've got you've got your first customer right here. But I mean, if any if anyone else uh, watching wants to get in touch with you um, and see what you're doing, what's the best way to do that? How do people keep connected with you? Uh, right now, um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is good. I'm redoing my website at the moment. So um, that will I'll put the connections onto that as soon. It will be on my LinkedIn very soon. Some of the people here, I think, know me. You may have my um, WhatsApp number. Um, sure. Please feel sure. free to do that. Um, but LinkedIn is, is a really good one. It's uh, my main you know, um, way of connecting with people at the moment. Um, and if anyone knows someone who's got my number, that's fine too. All right. I think, Laura, you're also in the academy as well, aren't you? So if anyone tags you, then obviously they can always you can always go back through. So, guys, if you're watching this video a bit later on after it's live, feel free to pop your questions below. Laura would be more, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to get back to her, back to your Great. Absolutely. Laura, thank you, thank you so much. Keep doing whatever you're doing. It's working. It's amazing. You're inspiring so many, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And do you know what? I'd love to have you back soon. So thank you so much. Pleasure. See you again. Take care, everyone. Bye. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.